Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Theme Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, as ever, is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? Very good, thank you. Yourself? I'm doing very well indeed. Never mind how many sleeps is it till Christmas, Josh. It's two podcasts to Disneyland. Oh boy. Give me that sweet, sweet Disneyland Paris. Nom, 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 nom. Give me one of your overpriced pretzels. Oh. I'm I'm hyped for Christmas merch uh, and overpriced clothing. Absolutely, I've never been to I've never been to a theme park in the in the sort of Christmas season dressed up for Christmas. No. I caught the tail end or sort of the tail. What's the opposite of tail end? Because you can't um, say tail beginning. That doesn't make sense. The, the mouth end. No, that's the nose end. The mouth end. Hmm. Not sure about that. That sounds like a category on a dirty website. Yeah. Maybe let's just move no. on. I've caught the yep. very beginning of Halloween at some theme parks. I, I was at Bush Gardens one year, I seem to recall, when they'd started to decorate. And I think maybe wandered around Universal in the very early stages of, of Halloween, also sort of mid-September. But yeah, yeah. Uh, as of recording, we're off to Disneyland Paris in just a couple of weeks. Very notable for the Park Rush crew because this was essentially the birthplace of the Park Rush podcast. So it has a lot to answer for. And we'll be going back there and trying to work out exactly what it was that made us think this podcast would be a good idea. <laughs> just wandering around like a Pulp Fiction meme. Trying to figure it out. Yeah. Well, I'm going to rock up to that bar in Davy Crockett Ranch and be like, what did you put <laughs> in this Heineken? What is it that made me think that a Think Pop podcast would be a good use of my time? Yeah. We were in there till close as well. Ugh, absolute animals. You know, for all of two nights, we were turning up there with the with the attitude of, of regulars, you know? Yeah. Do you think like we own a- the bar. <laughs> Do you think there are people who who class Davy Crockett Ranch Bar as the reg, as their regular, as uh, the yeah, local, the local? Yeah, <laughs> they're in uh, there every me, night. I do. Hey, look, it was a nice bar. I'd go in there every night if I could. Yeah, absolutely. Up on the Eurostar after work each night. <laughs> night out. Yeah, well, from June you'll have to change to uh, in Lyon to get there, or Lille, or whichever one it is. But all uh, right, yeah course anyway disneyland will come but we have two still (laughs) euro rush trip reports to get done first well i guess it's kind of one trip report divided into two such was the size josh the sheer magnitude of europa park it's a big old park certainly is and i think we're agreed that it was the best of the bunch and the standard was pretty high so that's saying a lot but this was a this was a damn good thing park from top to yeah. bottom, yeah, from for sure. Mouth, mouth to tail, it was an outstanding day out. Incredible variety of rides, so many and so much else to see and do as well that we decided it needed two episodes or we would be here for hours and hours and hours. So the way we decided to divide it up is that today in part one, we are going to focus exclusively on the roller coasters at the park there are 13 coasters at the park we did 12 of the 13 the only one we didn't do was a little kiddie coaster in the island section of the park so we've got a dozen roller coasters to talk about today so plenty to sink our teeth into and i'm going to try and go by the twitter threads from the two days to sort of go through them in the order that we experienced them across the two days 
So pull that lap bar down or pull on that over the shoulder restraint. Do up your seat yep. belt as well if it's one of those. Strap, Strap in. in. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, just, just, just to frame it as well. Oh. Europa Park sort of by and large the lands or it's split up into into lands into areas themed to different countries. So there it's is the, a. It's the Epcot of Germany. It's the, it's the Epcot of Germany, absolutely. But rather than sort of be arranged in a neat semicircle like the World Showcase at Epcot, <laughs> Europa Park is, whilst not as difficult to navigate as something like Fantasia Land, yeah. there's not really an obvious way to go. It's not one of those parks where you turn up, you pick left or right, and it doesn't really matter because you'll know you'll see everything by the end anyway. You'll meet in the middle and then, you know what I mean. This is a little bit yeah. all over the place and you are going to, as we did, uh, you are going to have to find yourself checking the map at semi-regular intervals to make sure you've seen everything you want to see and and do everything that you want to do. So if you're listening along, it might not be a bad idea to pull up a map so that you can get a decent sense of where everything is as we talk about it. But we're going to start with Matterhorn Blitz, which oh. is a wild mouse coaster. But Josh, this one stood out because it actually starts rather than with a chain lift, as I think every other wild mouse coaster I've ever done does. This uh, one actually yeah. starts with, uh, with, with a lift, uh, sort yes. of like a, like a Cobra's Curse at Bush Gardens or or something like that. So this was really uh, this was really cool. It stood out by by having that kind of start. What, what did you make of Matterhorn Blitz? Yeah, I think you know the start is kind of cool for sure, as you say. The stereotypical you know back and forth of the wild mouse is it's never it's actually not one that I enjoy. Uh, so that bit at the top is is a bit rough for me still, but the drops are really good fun, uh, and it's get some. This one gets some real real pace going from those drops. It's quite impressive. Yeah, I was going to say the drops are faster than you would expect, especially the the very first one. It, it picks up a real good sense of speed. Yeah. You you get a sense of it when you're queuing. There is a portion of the queue. Um, it's quite nicely themed, actually. It's sort of a, uh, it feels a bit like a countryside lumber mill, and and there's a there's a part of it where you're sort of on this sort of rickety wooden bridge, and and the roller coaster zooms right by, and it, it does generate you know a, a, a sound that that suggests it's going damn fast, but you, you don't really appreciate it until you experience it for yourself. The other thing about the the lift at the start, which is quite cool, is that it does swing you side to side a little bit as well. Just makes it feel a little bit unstable, which is good fun. So yeah, yeah, it's I not think... an up and down lift, is it? It's a, it's sort of a, it swaps left and right. It kind of goes out. So I guess so you can get more capacity through it, but it kind of has a cool. It's an interesting element to the lift. It's definitely the the most intense wild mouse coaster that I've ever done, and I, and I think it's really nicely themed as well. As I said, it, it's it's tucked away, it's hidden away. I feel like quite often with wild mouses or wild mice or wild meese, wild meeses, yeah, they feel very roller coaster tycoon stock coaster to me. It feels like they've just yeah. kind of fallen out of the sky into whatever part of the park they happen to fit. Whereas this one, it just feels. Uh, a lot more considered to be fair the one at trips drill did as well i think but this one 
uh, given that it's also a, a bigger, faster, more involved coaster overall. I think the fact that they've also gone to the effort to sort of theme it really nicely. Um, yes. It speaks volumes, really. This sort of attention to detail and level of care, I think, is pretty consistent throughout the whole park. Uh, but yeah, it's very notable here because, as I say, it's not something you associate with this kind of ride. No, for sure. And I think uh, we should probably mention, because we haven't mentioned it yet, but Europa Park is owned by uh, Mac Rides, the major ride manufacturer. Uh, they make rides all around the world. Uh, some of the rides we've been on in other parks on the European road trip uh, are built by or designed and built by Mac as well. And the theme park kind of acts as a testing ground for their various uh, styles of rides and that sort of thing. So pretty much if there's a ride made by Mac around the world, there's a version of it here in uh, Europa Park. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That is, that is definitely worth knowing as we talk about the rides at this at this park. Next one I've got on my list uh, that we did in the Schweizer Bobbahn. Do you agree? The Swiss Bob Run, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Swiss Bob Run. I think that's a safer way of saying it, actually, because just to emphasise, I am saying Schweizer, not the other one. There is a W in there that makes all the difference. So yes. emphasis on that. Anyway, this uh, is a bobsled roller coaster. I had not done one of these before either. Had you? Same. No, the first time. Yeah. And so because it's not on a track, it it, it feels a little loose, I suppose, and, and feels a little more uh, variable, I think, as in like you get the sense, whether it's true or not, that this almost a bit like a kind of uh, a water slide. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the speed you go, the amount that you sort of veer up the sides of the of what would you call it the track or the he or the the, the helix um, i'm not quite sure what the sort of the technical term is for a bobsled track i guess it's still a track the uh, the run i don't know yeah. yeah but anyway because it obviously sort of veers up on the sides like a like a half pipe and the the amount that the that the that the vehicle itself sort of veers up to the sides. It it feels like it could be it could change depending on like the weight distribution of 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 the of the vehicle and things like that. So um yeah it, it was it was unlike anything I had done before and I uh, I enjoyed it. I mean it was short but sweet. I, I think it was probably towards the bottom of my sort of ranking of Europa Park roller coasters. But yeah, given that it, it was something I hadn't done before, I was obviously pleased to to give it a go. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I did really enjoy it. I think there's a, there's a section in there where you kind of go around in a bit of a, a barrel roll. Not a barrel roll. Uh, no. Don't, no, that's no. a Star well, Fox manoeuvre. It, it, it goes around in, it goes around in a, like a circle, doesn't it, in, in one section. Like you're going down a plug hole. Yeah, like you're going down a plug hole. Um, <laughs> I think that's really cool. And ha- like people can stand there and watch you go around and, and that sort of thing. I think... Uh, if you want, if you've ever wondered what bobsleighing is like, but obviously you, you don't want to do it because it's really bloody dangerous for someone who <laughs> isn't trained. This is the closest you're <laughs> going to get, um, or this style of ride is definitely something as close as you're going to get. So uh, it was really cool to experience that. Yeah, and it's, it's as you might expect, uh, you, you, the, the theming around the the ride is sort of done like a sort of Swiss Alpine village, and you can end up right in the centre, which I think is where that 
for lack of a better term, plug hole maneuver occurs and, and you can <laughs> sort of, you know, just rotate 360 degrees while you're standing there to almost follow the bobsled round in real time. It, it, it feels like you're in the middle of an action movie, like the camera is panning around you as you watch this bobsled do a do a loop around you it's it's cool yeah it's it's again much like the um the world mouse i think it's been really thoughtfully designed and and set into the environment so yeah definitely one worth checking out and and there, there isn't anything else anything else like it at the park i think uh, poseidon was next i i think so yeah so this is a water coaster I suppose, you know, for me at least, the, the the quintessential water coaster for me, just because it's the one that I sort of grew up with, is Journey to Atlantis. And, and this yeah. very much feels like the back end of Journey to Atlantis, but extended. You know, this is a, mm. a, a pretty decently long ride. It's 836 metres in length, gets up to a top speed of 70 kilometres an hour. It's got two chain lift hills as well both of which go up fairly high and this one gets pretty damn long queues as well and on a hot day it may be worth knowing that shade is at a premium while queuing oh, for this God, yeah. <laughs> while queuing for this particular ride but i thought this was one of the absolute best at the park and again especially on a sunny day blue skies it looks absolutely glorious like the uh, yes. crystal clear water um there are a couple of the splashdowns where you sort of emerge from uh, a load of fauna. So if you're watching from the sidelines, you, you, you're kind of none the wiser as to when the boat is approaching and then all of a sudden it just sort of emerges. Again, really nicely designed and set within the surroundings. And uh, yeah, I, th I thought it was was excellent. I think there are two, I guess, rides you might consider water coasters at Europa Park, and I, we'll get to the other one, but this is definitely the best. Uh, yeah, I think this is the best out of the two water, park, uh, water coasters for sure. Uh, yeah, I think it could do with a little bit more storyline. That's how it feels like it's designed for, is to have a bit more storyline to it. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas they've very much gone more coaster with this one. Uh, but yeah, the, the sight lines are really cool on this and the integration with like the Greek, Greek theming of the area and how the monorail passes through is really, really cool. That That's a running theme throughout the park, actually, as you like to call them, the interactions. Hell uh, yeah. It, it, like, we'll talk about it more specifically in the next episode, but there is a really high viewing tower that you can go up and when you get to the very top and just do a 360 of the park, it's impossible not to think that you're just looking at a real life roller coaster tycoon creation. Mm. Like it's very much got that vibe. And yeah, Poseidon, like you say, I mean, I think the storytelling is, is almost non-existent. There's not a ton of that going on, but it is still because it's such a long track, like the, the way it has to integrate with, with the, the, the Greece area as a whole, like as you say, the sight lines are really, are really good. It's um, it's thoughtful in that way, at least. It, even if it's not like telling you a story, it's not as if there's nothing to see during the yeah. sort of downtime of of the ride. For sure. The other one in the kind of Greek area, uh, which we also did, was Pegasus. Now, yeah, you know, when it comes to kiddie coasters, I often use as a point of reference Flying Unicorn. <laughs> 
I mean, this is perhaps the most worthy ride to which we can compare Flying Unicorn because it's it's Pegasus, for God's sake. Uh, this is exactly what you'd think it would be. It's that kind of ride, and it's, it's, there's not a ton to report, really. It's It's one of them. This is actually, you know, the first time uh, I've been on one of these. I, I've not been on uh, the one in Islands of Adventure. Uh, and actually, it's, it's it's better than I anticipated. Why have you never been on one before? Even when you were a kid, you didn't want to do the Flying Unicorn or Goofy's Barnstormer or Woody Woodpecker or any of those? Uh, no. <laughs> Why not? Flying Unicorn... I mean, I think I've told this story before. Flying Unicorn has a special place in my heart because there was one occasion where it was so quiet that my sister and I, they just let us stay on the ride for something like four or five runs in a row. So it was great. Like We got back to the, pulled into the station. No one else had turned up. So they were just like, you want another go? And we were like, hell yeah. And off we went. (laughs) And we did like four or five laps of the Flying Unicorn. And... I've never done, I think I may have done it once in all the years that it's been Flight of the Hippogriff because, I mean, for reasons that make no sense to me, really, it's always got like an hour long wait or more. I'd imagine it must be a capacity thing, clearly, because there's only ever one, yeah. one train going at any one time. So it's not very efficient. But even so, like, I often wonder. Are these, is this mostly people coming for the first time who just know there's a roller coaster here somewhere and can't see Hagrid because it's hidden, so assume this is it? <laughs> and that's why it gets such long queues because, I mean, it really is just, it is one of those. And uh, Pegasus was far more reasonable so far as wait times, i.e. there wasn't really one. For sure. I just haven't been on one before. That's, that's all I can say about that. Well, there you go. I'm glad you broke your flying unicorn virginity. I didn't realise it was such a big moment. Maybe we should have made more of it. Got the ride photo and all that stuff. Alas. (laughs) Uh, Oh, well. Next time. Next time. Maybe next time, yeah. Uh, We're going to do back-to-back bangers here, Josh, I think. Oh, here we go. Yeah, it's getting getting serious here. So, first of all, we've got the Can-Can coaster, (sighs) uh, which, well... Uh, previously known as Eurosat, is that is that correct, or is it is it still it's still kind of called Eurosat because you can do this in virtual reality if you so choose. At which point it becomes kind of a different thing. It's yes, a bit so more still sci-fi. Called Eurosat, and yeah, one of them is called Eurosat Can Can Coaster, and the other one is Eurosat Coastiality, which is the VR one. Oh, I see. Okay, that's a little confusing. Yeah, we didn't do the VR one. It's worth noting that for any of the VR options on the coasters, you do have to pay extra to get kitted yeah. out with the virtual reality headset. I, I, you know, we were moderately tempted to 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 give it a go on this one in particular. Uh, we didn't, but you know, Can Can is it was more than enough for me. So this is a. An indoor coaster, I think a good point of comparison is Space Mountain. Lots of tight turns, maybe a little rough. Uh, does feel like you could topple out. I mean, the ride, whilst it has been rethemed a couple of times, has been in operation since 1989. So it does make sense that it would be feeling a little rough at this point. Mm. But I couldn't help but really, really enjoy it. It's it's quite... Uh, it, it's um, It's got a really long spiral lift. To get um, to the top, it's not like a straight so, chain lift or anything like that. 
there's like two minutes of it yeah maybe there's like a pretty rudimentary eiffel tower replica uh straight up through the middle uh, which you're circling as you go up in the dark yep and there are some like can can light lighting effects as you would expect as you make your way up you know uh but it it I, I think it outstays its welcome. It's not necessarily one of those roller coaster lifts that really builds the tension, you know, where the the length works in its favour. For for me, this one was just a sort of like, oh, we're still going, huh? But once the ride gets going, as I say, I think it's really good fun, and I can't deny that, you know, I'm a sucker for Moulin Rouge and just having like the Can Can music blare at me while I went at very high speed in the dark, uh, you know, added up to what was a pretty fun uh, roller coaster experience. The only downside was that Ewan McGregor was nowhere to be seen, Josh. Well, yeah, sometimes sometimes our biggest heroes let us down. It's true. It's very yeah. profound. But mm. despite Ewan's absence, you enjoyed the Can Can coaster? Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of putting coasters to music. Um, yeah, yeah, big big fan of uh, rock and roller coaster Avec Aerosmith, uh, no more Rip. Um, luckily, the one in Orlando is still there. Uh, and yeah, so putting this to the Cancan music uh, was well up my Strasse, as they say in Germany. Yeah, absolutely. And I really enjoyed it. The, the music, the sound system is is pretty effective because from what I could tell, you've got speakers, you've got onboard speakers, but then you've also got speakers sort of in the building itself. So. It's yeah. very, very loud, and it kind of has to be. I mean, people who've been on Space Mountain will know that at this point, you know, a combination of the track feeling its age, but also obviously everyone screaming means that, uh, you know, it would be easy for, for, for a combination of those two things to drown out any music. So the fact that it's pumping out really, really loudly from multiple sources uh, ensures that that is not a problem. Um, I seem to remember, like, the brake run at the very end was a little rough. Uh, that thing comes to a yeah. pretty sudden halt at the end. But other than sure. that, uh, I found it to be pretty enjoyable overall. And uh, yeah. yeah, the queue's nicely themed as well, actually. Like, it's a yeah, mix and of the gardens that you go through are nice as well. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a mix of going through some some nice gardens. And then, you know, they've done like a surprisingly good job considering like obviously from the outside, it, it does look like you're walking into a, a ripoff of Spaceship Earth. It, it, it's surprising how quickly you, you are able to forget that because the way they've done up the queue to look like you're walking through some kind of cobbled parisian streets um yeah. is is pretty nicely done so yeah one of the highlights of the park i think so far as roller coasters go and the other thing i thought that was worth mentioning is that i did like as well how they celebrated kind of the legacy of the ride in the gift shop and stuff like that like the mm. previous incarnation um you know they were still selling merchandise for it posters and things like posters, that yeah. which you don't often see you know i feel like quite often when major rides are renovated they, they they quite quickly move on and forget about the legacy and and this this kind of celebrates it in a way that I appreciated even though I'd never yeah. obviously done the previous version. No, same. But uh, yeah, I, I, and they even had a cut. Some of the props were still in like the backstage area of the Can Can, which was also part of the queue. Yeah, I'm due a Moulin Rouge rewatch. Have, have you? Are you a Moulin Rouge fan, or are you about to drop that? Not only have, had you never done flying unicorn or anything of that ilk you've also never seen moulin rouge i i have seen moulin rouge 
my I sayings. like Moulin Rouge. I don't mm. like Moulin Rouge as much as you like Moulin Rouge, Tom. Uh, <laughs> I think it, I think it's a it's a fine film. It's it's just not my go to musical. So in my head canon, Moulin Rouge is part of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> I think that's why I like where, it so much. Where is this in the prequel storyline? Well, am I not I right? I mean, to all my Clone Wars stands out there, am I not right in thinking, or at least the names are very familiar or similar, is Nicole Kidman's character in Moulin Rouge not called Satine? Oh, wait, is it? I think she is, you know. Oh, and therefore, I, yeah. therefore, this as a sort of prequel to The Phantom Menace, or, you know, it, maybe it's set between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, I don't know, but whatever part of obi-wan's life he was off frolicking with duchess satine of mandalore that yeah that's what moulin rouge is all about in my yeah. in my head so there you go now, now you now you say it like that i feel like i need to rewatch it <laughs> yeah well i'm glad we i'm glad i've, I've talked some sense into you um the other roller coaster <laughs> that's nearby can can i mean this thing is just ridiculous honestly oh, boy. so this is silver star which is a hyper roller coaster. It's the fourth tallest coaster in Europe. And it's, I felt unsafe on this. I, I, I clearly you're not unsafe, but I mean, this thing is just ridiculous. So it's got Mercedes branding on it now, by the way, which I, I mean, I don't think really adds much to it in, in any no. way. Given the Mercedes branding, it might, you might think, oh, is, is that a launch coaster? Is it trying to sort of replicate? The feeling of of a really fast car going from naught to sixty in some absurdly low amount of seconds, no, and that I think you know contributes to the fact that the Mercedes branding feels very superficial indeed. This is yes. a chain lift, um, and then it's just all about the airtime. It's it's absolutely insane. Like your bum is off the seat for probably what in total twenty thirty seconds of this three-minute ride, which, like Can Can, a good amount of that three minutes is the, the initial chain lift. Once that's out of the way, it's it's basically full-on. Uh, and yeah. I, I, People on this ride behind us, I, I remember very vividly a woman who was just laughing her ass off the entire <laughs> yeah. time to the point where I think the whole... <laughs> the whole train got the giggles and it just felt like some absolute lunatics had been let out of the asylum for the day. It was it was quite something. Infectious giggles. Yes, throughout. for sure. And this was yeah. is this your favourite? Uh I think this was my this was probably my favourite coaster at the park, yeah. I it's just it's the the up and down of the of the you know, the the bit out in the in the car park, uh where you're basically just going up and down, up and down, up and down uh is is great i love i love it i i love the feeling when you're in the car and you go up and down a hill and your belly goes a little bit uh <laughs> this coaster just basically just gives you that over and over again uh, uh it's just so much fun yeah it's it's relentless isn't it like yeah it, it it's the same sensation over and over and over again but you're never really given time to recover from it each time so you're just in a constant state of delirium, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and it's and the way they've built it in the car park is quite impressive. So when you turn up to the park and you park in the car park, you can. There's no way of missing it. It's like everywhere in the car park. Um, 
you you walk the main walkway is through the middle of the car park and this ride is built above that walkway so you cannot miss it uh but yeah it's just intense and it goes out doing the bumps and then it comes back again doing it and it's non-stop yeah it doesn't do anything else doesn't go upside down uh doesn't do any helixes or anything like that it just <laughs> just gives you the bumps and then you and then you return home it's also worth noting that it's 240 feet high so i think this is the tallest roller coaster that i'd ever been on uh, uh yeah same uh 79 miles per hour and uh more than 5300 feet of track so it's a big boy not a mac coaster though this one this is a b&m yeah i believe it was the first non-mac coaster at the park look at me substantial dropping knowledge like i'm like i've actually read a wiki before i started recording for once (laughs) quite astonishing uh yeah and I, I kind of find it funny that this is in the france part of the park but it's sponsored by a german manufacturer but the formula one team that is has all the branding on, on it is based uh near in the middle of england yeah yeah it's best not to think too much about it or, or it really yeah. will just start to unravel uh thematically at least i mean i guess the other thing to say about this is I mean, when it comes to the Mercedes branding, it's all about kind of what's going on in in the in the queue building, really. So, I mean, if you don't want to go on the ride, you can get through into this part as well. But if, if you do go on the ride, it's kind of where you come through on your way out. But uh, it's basically just a little showroom, Josh. I mean, I'm well out of my depth here. There were some cars there, right? And it looked like you could play Gran Turismo and buy some Mercedes yeah. hats. Um, yes. Was there anything in there that, as an F1 fan, made you think, "Oh, that's cool"? Or it was all a bit superficial, really. Um, it was interesting. I think the most interesting part for me was that they had a Formula E section in there as well. Which you what? Uh, Formula E is the electric equivalent of Formula One, which is actually you know, it's just just to see that in there was quite surprising. But yeah, you could pretend to get your photo taken with Lewis and George which are just cardboard cutouts. Uh, they got the cut. they got a, a show car in there, so you can get a photo of that if you want. But, uh, yeah, it was... It, again, it was a bit superficial, but the merch wasn't too bad. Okay, fair enough. Well, we're going to pivot to uh, a very different kind of roller coaster now. This is Arthur, uh, is the one we're going to do next. Now, this is... Uh, before we talk, talk about the ride itself, oh, this is based on... Uh, an animated film series called, I think, Arthur and the Invisibles, which yes, I've never seen. I feel like I've seen this as like a thing. It almost feels like a film that Sky put a little bit of money into so they could set it as a Sky original. Like it's got right. that vibe to it for me. The first film came out in 2006, and it is indeed an English-language French fantasy animated film from Luc Besson. Uh, it's based on a children's book series, apparently. And uh, yes, there you go. There was uh, there were a couple of sequels, and there was a TV show. There was a video game. I think the uh, most striking can, thing can... about this, Josh, is that they did a spin-off described as a meta-psychological horror film. And it was uh, dismissed by critics as one of the worst films ever made, which makes me want to go and watch it. That's really bizarre. Yeah. It's also live action. 
<laughs> what on earth? Well, well, I mean, I almost feel like someone's pulling my leg, like someone's played around <laughs> with the Wikipedia page. Oh, from- that's, that's quite brand new. That wasn't out when we went, Tom. What, for giggles? What, the fourth instalment in the Arthur series? The Arthur Melediction, yeah. You think they're going to read these? It only came it? out. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, maybe. maybe. Uh, that only came out on the 29th of June, so... There we are. Um, Weird. Yeah, the first one came out in 2006. Freddie Highmore is the lead. That tells you something about the kind of era this was out. So when Fre- Freddie, Freddie Highmore was kind of the big thing so far as child oh, actors Charlie went. Charlie the Chocolate Factory guy. Yeah, he was Charlie in the Chocolate Factory and he was he was in the, uh, what was the Peter Pan film um, with Johnny Depp? Anyway, we're getting off topic. Finding so, Neverland? Uh, uh, Finding Neverland. Yes, I think you're right. I think you're right. right yeah. so, th- so this ride, anyway, is uh, is based on that animated series of films. It's an inverted spinning roller coaster. But it's kind of like roller coaster come dark ride, really. So, like, it's probably one of the more ambitious coasters in the park. And I suppose if you were trying to, uh, you know, pick a ride at the park that maybe most closely evoked something that you might be used to seeing at a Disney park or a universal park so far as, yeah, it's it's kind of like high tech dark rides with, with, you know, story driven uh, with a bit, with a bit of a thrill factor too, though. Um, This is probably the closest that you would, that you would get. And I, I, you know, even as someone who, who was completely unaware of this series, you know, I could recognize that they'd clearly, put a lot of money into it not just the ride mm. but the the area itself is is pretty impressively themed you know it's a fantastical kind of forest environment and it's uh it's 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 an okay ride like it, again much like the bobsled i hadn't done anything quite like this before the idea of an inverted spinning coaster is is it's quite a powered coaster as well so like um it's not just like using gravity to go through the track it has power it has motors and power as well to go uphill yeah yeah i mean for me at least the 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 roller coaster portion was not the most notable it was everything that happened inside uh, with the animatronics and like the 4d effects and you know i obviously had no idea what was going on because i don't have the contextual knowledge of the films and on the ride, they're all speaking in... Uh, were they speaking French or were they speaking German? I don't actually remember, but they definitely weren't speaking English. <laughs> so, uh, no. I, and they could have been speaking either. I'm not sure I would have been able to tell. Uh, there was one bit in English, though, Tom. Uh, there were, <laughs> yeah. So they were playing what I think we would have considered anyway a fairly inappropriate song. But at the very least, perhaps there were you know parts that they could have censored um, but they couldn't even be bothered to do that, Josh. No. Um, and that song, I don't think anyone would be able to guess what the song is. Um, <laughs> you, but it is uh, Still Dre by Dr. Dre featuring Snoop Dogg. Yeah, which is exactly what I think of when I think of sort of storybook fantasy uh, fantasy fair. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And, uh, yep, you are correct, listeners. The N-word is very much left in on the ride. I think, you know, that happened maybe two thirds into the ride. And I think we were both sort of like, we, we couldn't really concentrate on the rest of the ride. Cause we were just thinking, did they just, yeah. they, you heard that, right? They just left that word in, in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. Wow. Okay. 
Interesting. So there you go. Uh, best part of the ride. It's just part of the ride. Yeah. Uh, like I say, it's... Um, I mean, one thing I will say for it is that some of the indoor portion of the ride where most of the storytelling happens does also involve you. And I love this. I love when rides do this. And it, and it isn't often, a, you know, a roller coaster that would do it. It's often like a transportation kind of ride. You know, think of uh, mm. the Tomorrowland Transit Authority or the Zeus Trolley train ride. Very underrated. Uh, when rides go into non-ride buildings like cafes and restaurants. I oh, love that yeah. stuff. And this roller coaster just straight up flies up above an indoor food court. It's great. You can just look down as people having sandwiches. Absolute banger. Love it when that happens. The Same. interactions are amazing. The interactions, Josh. The interactions. They're off the charts. Yeah. Uh, but when you're outside, it's quite a photogenic ride. So there you go. There's Arthur. One of the newer rides at the park. It's worth noting. This is opened in 2014. So, uh, yeah. Fairly new, all things considered. Uh, the next coaster that we did uh, on day one at Europa Park was the Alpen Express, uh, which is a um, sort of runaway train. This is another one a- where you can do it in virtual reality if you so choose, the sort of back three or four rows. Yes. Have a separate queue oh. where you can pay to do it in virtual reality. Uh, we did not do that. Uh, this was the first coaster at the park. It opened back in... 1984 and you know i thought this one was pretty good fun the best thing about it josh come back to that word interactions it's a bit where you go deep into a mine and what is going on in there well there's a log flume josh and you're just zipping around while there's a log flume doing its thing It's uh, and and there's also people walking around. It's like a it's yeah, like a walkthrough attraction. Log flume where you got like there's a mining away, and you can look at all these you know swish animatronics and gems that are lit up and illuminate the the room. So you have got people walking around. Uh, you got the log flume, and then and then you got this mine train. So there's a lot going on in there. It's uh, it's good stuff. Very impressive. Very intricate. Uh, and this mine train, it's worth saying, is one of the sort of powered. Mine trains, much like the one at Austin Towers, for example. Um, and so, again, it doesn't have a lift hill. It is, has motors on board, so it can power through uh, hill sections. Uh, and you go round twice. Uh, so it's actually quite a long ride, because I think whilst, you know, with the powered coasters like that, you would normally associate them with, you know, they're sort of compensating for something. They're not the longest rides in the road in the world. And therefore, you know, you do two laps and it, you know, ex- extends the length. Um, this one, I don't, I didn't feel that way though. I, I thought you got pretty good value out of one lap, let alone two. So um, whilst yeah. the queues for this can get maybe a little longer than you would perhaps traditionally be willing to wait for a mine train coaster. I actually think that um, it justifies you know, the, the the length of time we queued for it, which I think was um, just north of half an hour. Yeah, I think that's uh, reasonable. I don't think I'd queue that long for the Alton Towers one, for example. I would agree. Uh, next up, we will talk about Wodan. Oh. Yeah. Now, this one, oh, this is, this is good stuff, Josh. I think this might this be a, my, oh. uh, my favourite roller coaster at the park. I love I love a big woody me and you know my childhood favorite said. was always Guazi which is obviously long gone um I don't think anything else had really come close uh but Wodan kind of blew me away to be honest because whilst it's got all the trappings of a classic wooden coaster 
and and I think like when people think of wooden coasters, there's a tendency, perhaps maybe this is just me, to kind of think going in that oh, this must be of a certain age because you probably wouldn't build like a completely wooden roller coaster in this day and age. You'd be more inclined to to go steel, right, and use some more of the kind of modern technologies. But mm. this one is like it's it's a it's an old fashioned coaster built with modern tendencies because it only opened in 2012 and it's got you know everything you'd want from a wooden coaster it does feel a bit bumpy but in i think a good way it's obviously got that incredible roar that you associate with a wooden coaster but yeah. it i i just i just feel like it's also got it's also got the the thrill factor and the sense of speed that maybe you would expect from from a steel coaster like it it's kind of got it all i think yeah and i think that's fair i i loved it i loved it and the and the and it's one of the better cues i think in the park as well like it's um, it's obviously uh, well i say obviously it may not have been obvious but it's norse <laughs> themed uh, yes. the the name wodan is is odin in in german and, it's in the Iceland section of the park. And it's in the Iceland section of the park. You're right. And uh, I think the queue is really nicely themed. Yeah, it's uh, a very good queue, actually. And so is the station, which the ride kind of comes back through um, oh, above you while you're waiting, which generates an almighty noise. So, Yeah, it's so cool. I, I'm a big fan of the Wicker Man at Alton Towers. I think they, they've done a really good job there. That's a, uh, a modern woody uh, but yeah, this is this is top draw stuff. Very very good. Sixty two like, miles an hour. Yeah, it has like like you say, it's got kind of more modern tendencies to it, but it's also got the kind of out and back feel of a of a classic Woody as well, which I really like. Uh, and it's not Mac. It should be noticed. This is a Great Coasters International joint. Mm. Yeah. So uh, that's notable. But yeah, for me, I, the, the the pit where it comes back through the the station, the fly through, if you like. I thought was 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 great, not just for people on the ride, but people who um, obviously waiting to get on as well. Uh, there are some like smoke effects and things like that. There's music in the station and uh, yeah. like some um, the, some of the indoor sections of the queue. There's some pretty impressive effects actually that kind of immerse you in in kind of the Nordic mythology, like. As someone who's playing through God of War Ragnarok right now, there have been a few moments in that game where I've thought, "Oh yeah, that was in Wodan." <laughs> so, it's uh, it's it's clearly stuck with me all this time. Yeah, clearly. Uh, one of the absolute best rides at the park, um, rivaled, I think, Josh, by the other coaster in the Iceland section. I mean, who knew that Iceland would deliver such brilliant roller coasters? But here banger we are. after banger. I know. I mean, no, no disrespect intended towards Iceland, but I just, I didn't know you had it in you. Uh, yeah. But it turns out they've also got Blue Fire, which is yes. notable, Josh, because this is the only ride in the park with any inversions. It's a launch coaster. This is a Mack Rides joint. And I thought it was great. It's not the fastest ride in the park. That honour does go to uh, the Mercedes one that we've already talked about. Which, as I said, right, got yeah. up to like seventy-eight, seventy-nine miles an hour. This this one is only sixty-two, but oh, that's slow. But well, yeah. But that launch is an absolute doozy, and um, 
I think uh, what added to the thrill of this one, I can't remember if it was the first or second time that we did the ride because we did do it a couple of times. But uh, there was, of course, the moment, there was a moment where the ride, where the ride attendant stuck two fingers up in the air and was like two two had to go i don't know if people just weren't paying attention or if there really were no parties of two before us but we were quite deep in the queue and yet yeah he picked us out as being the two so we had quite a long way to go to get to the ride in time and we had to like yeah. clamber over a bit of a bit of fencing and then sort of quickly run across to the other side of the loading area to stick our bags down and then run back in. It was all very dramatic. So I was high on adrenaline before I'd even sat down and, uh, and then the, and then the launch happens. Yeah. The launch is excellent on this ride. Um, I don't know. Obviously I haven't done Velocicoaster, but it feel, this felt very much like, um, a, a, a Velocicoaster predecessor almost in my head it yeah the launch is a little bit velocicoaster-esque because obviously you know something like i mean some um roller coasters will just sort of launch you straight out of the station um some will like edge you out and then launch you pretty much straight away think of something like hulk whereas this one like velocicoaster there is i wouldn't say extended but you know there's a chunk of time where you're where you come out of the station and there's a little bit of storytelling in this case you're going through some sort of like like secret base it was a little bit unclear exactly what was going on but there were like scientists playing around with stuff but then like something goes wrong there's smoke and an alarm and then you sort of edge out into the outside at which point the launch happens and so there is a bit more of a build-up to it and and so yeah in that sense it is it is a little akin to velocicoaster but yeah it's a really good it's a really good launch and it's got a really good loop i thought like it's a it's uh is it one of those what you would call like a vertical loop because it's not like it takes it it feels it feels long for a loop you know what i mean like the hang time yes. up there is it, it's it, quite a it, wide loop isn't it yeah absolutely um and the launch because uh the, the queue um you get a really good view of the launch from the queue actually like all that separates you from it really is is a pretty loose fence so uh, yeah. that has the bejesus shaken out of it um, whenever the coaster flies by at top speed. So, yeah, I, I thought this yes. was really good. and Slightly oddly themed, like it was a little unclear. Like the, the queue at one point, you go into what kind of feels like you're entering a, like a conference hall or something. Um, or, or, or you feel like yes. you're turning up at like a some biotech company and you're in the lobby so, and there are big screens everywhere of the owner talking about how amazing their inventions are. Yeah, so, it, Tom, I, yeah. I, will, I will give you some reasons as to why. Uh, from 2010 to 2019, Blue Fire was sponsored by the Russian energy corporation Gazprom. <laughs> okay. Uh, the sponsorship saw the construction of a 1,300 square meter Gazprom theme world, the Wonder of Energy Exhibition Hall. For the 2020 season, the sponsorship was switched to Nord Stream 2. Mm. Uh, all of that sp sponsorship was suspended when the Russian Federation invaded Ukraine uh, in February 2022 this year, um, and Nord Stream 2 was cancelled. Uh, so they quickly removed all references to the sponsorship um, and the Exhibition Hall was simply renamed to Blue Fire Dome. Right. And it's, oh, it's now just, there were just um, like adverts everywhere for the water park. 
Yes, yeah. I wonder if they will put any more thought into rebranding that once you know, once they've had time to think about it or, or whether it... I, th- I think it's probably safer, right, just to leave it as it is. But I suppose if they want to use it as a bit of a money-making exercise, which was clearly the, the initial thought process behind the sponsorship, maybe they will go out and try and find someone more appropriate to sponsor the ride. Yeah. Uh, EDF. I don't know. <laughs> just let, just have it be sponsored by Ukraine. Or don't make them sponsor it. Just use it as like a Ukraine... Tribute coaster, paint it yellow yeah, and the, blue. The, Just have the Slava-Ukrainian dome. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon that would be great. Well, we'll end with two coasters which we weren't able to do on day one. Uh, so just day two that we did these. And one is the other water coaster, which is Atlantica Super Splash. Uh, this one is themed. Uh, it's sort of like Portuguese themed, and. Um, this one, I think, is actually more akin to Journey to Atlantis than uh, than Poseidon is. Maybe the Journey to Atlantis, is it? Because there's Journey to Atlantis in Florida, obviously, which you know ha- has the storytelling that goes on towards the start of the ride. It is more highly themed. But then there's also mm. that Journey to Atlantis at the... I can't remember if it's San Diego or one of the other sea worlds, which is like completely outside and is not themed whatsoever. You literally just go up a chain lift, go around a little bit and then come back down. Because that's what that's what this is. Sea World San Diego and is and it is a Mac ride, yeah. Right. Oh, okay. So yeah, this one you know in the way earlier we were saying how oh normally wild mouse coasters just feel like they've been made in a factory and then just drop down in wherever it might suit them. And um, yeah, that maybe is the closest we got to that feeling in Europa Park. Like, don't get me wrong, they put some effort in. There's a there's a nice lighthouse I seem to remember in the splashdown area. Yes, so this is interesting. So I'm on the uh, official interactive map on the Europark website, and this ride is greyed out on the map. So I assume that it's seasonal. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That would make sense. I wouldn't want to do this in the cold. Yeah, so I can't click on it to see any information about it. Oh, they just map, don't let you is, look at it. Yeah. Wow, that's hardcore. You know, something we've learned from doing the Euro Rush trip reports, I think, is to do trip reports in a more timely fashion because we would, we did this almost six months ago. We're <laughs> 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 yes. yes. reaching back in our increasingly decaying brains. I don't remember <laughs> what made this one different from Poseidon. And... Uh, and I'm struggling a little bit. The Atlantica Super Splash. Here we go. Yeah. So uh, again, it kind of it, so you go up uh, a hill uh, and you go through a turntable and then you drop backwards down a little drop. There's a dry drop and then back up again uh, and then you go on another turntable which turns you round so you're facing forwards again and then you drop into the big splash. I think the the interesting you know having the turntable at the top of one at the top of the lift hill. That then turns you backwards. That then did the little, little drop, little dry drop, and then another turntable. That was an interesting piece that I haven't done anywhere before. But um, yeah, it's basically like a tidal wave, really, or or the um, Journey to Atlantis in SeaWorld San Diego. All right. Well, perhaps somewhat unfortunately, we're going to end on the uh, the ride in the Russia section of the park. Uh, maybe I should have thought about this, but. There we are. Uh, so this is Euromir. This is a spinning roller coaster. It's sort of space themed, as we kind of alluded to earlier, which I think was part of mm. the part of why they rethemed um, the Can Can coaster. But really, 
it, it doesn't it, to me at least this was like a russian disco themed roller coaster more than it was a space themed roller coaster like it's just blaring out what sounds like russian club disco music the whole time and then you end up outside just uh, and the the track just wraps round these kind of odd um circular buildings which are just coated in coated yeah. in mirrors yeah it, it's it's a bit of an odd one to be honest it, it, I, not not my favorite ride at the park and you know i i quite like spinning coasters i find them quite mm. quite good fun um but this one didn't really do much for me um i think there no, are there are better spinning coasters out there i would count one that we will go and do in paris among them crushes yeah coaster crushes coaster and, is good. Um, coast, i think i mentioned earlier i would put above this too yeah the dragon coaster at chessington is good as well the, again the most interesting part and I guess it's actually at this park, it's not interesting at all, is the <laughs> chain lift, uh, which is a carbon uh, copy of yeah. the uh, CanCan one. Of the CanCan one, yeah. They love those spiral lifts for some reason. Yes. I've never seen them before, and then I saw two in the same park. So I assume uh, that CanCan, when it was first out there and open, the central part where the Eiffel Tower is was uh, a rocket, because it was obviously space-themed. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, and this one is rocket themed. I wonder if it's the same rocket. Maybe. Oh, you know, maybe it is the same rocket. The yeah, just move yeah. the rocket. Well, cost effective, isn't it? So exactly. There you go. Yeah. All right, Josh. Well, that's going to do it for part one of our Europa Park trip report, focused solely on the roller coasters. But there is plenty more to discuss when we come back next week. Uh, we've got. Yeah. We've got. We've got other water rides that we didn't cover today. The the log flume, for example, that we alluded to. We've got some, some really good flat rides, some fun kiddie family rides too, uh, some excellent dark rides. We'll be back next week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you want to stay uh, up to date with what we're doing uh, in the week, which isn't a lot because, you know, we're, we're working hard until we go to Disneyland at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, but if you, do, if you do, yeah, exactly. if you want to follow us, then head to links.parkrush.com. All the socials are there. So is the Patreon. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us, podcast at parkrush.com. And of course, if you haven't already, do subscribe. We are available wherever it is that you get your podcast. We'll be back next week with more from Europa Park. And then we are off to Disneyland. In the meantime, stay safe out there, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. See ya.